to Brand Agony. I'm Alan Black. Every episode, we use the soothing power of stronger language to solve a problem for a troubled marketing professional. Today, we're talking about ownership, or to put it another way, who the hell is in charge around here? Uh, to answer this thorniest of questions, I'm joined by as fine a collection of keyboard prodders as you'll ever meet. Black Ads, Chris Tapley. Hello. Helen Selby. Hello. And Shan Ross. Hello. Hello, everyone. So without mucking about too much more, we're going to go straight into this week's letter. It is from Grant in Swindon. Dear Black Ads, I'm one of two marketing people in our law firm. We're planning a new website, but the wounds from the last one are still fresh. The team makes changes which kill our messaging and mess with our deadlines. How can we keep our meddling to a minimum while still getting sign-off from the key players? Yours, tortured by track changes. Grant. Okay, so that sounds like something that I have heard lots of times, and it sounds like something I'll hear lots of times in the future as well. As always, we're going to tackle the problem in three steps, the diagnosis, the treatment, and staying healthy. <coughs> and there's the uh, snap of the gloves, the cough, <laughs> the distant heartbeat of the uh, heart monitor. <laughs> Helen, what's your diagnosis for Grant's problem? So... I would say the first thing to think about is, so Grant, don't take this the wrong way, but who is actually in charge at your firm? So by that, I mean, who's in charge mm. of the content for the website? You basically, like, you need a single person, not a committee, not the managing partner, not even the subject matter experts. Um, it needs to be a marketing pro who understands the ins and outs of content creation. So that way you're going to end up publishing content that's actually going to make an impact with your audience rather than just content that's going to please everyone internally. Yeah. Um, the person in question is probably you. I think the problem is that your colleagues don't know that. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And this idea of um, you know content pleasing everyone internally is, is something that's really pertinent. Um, if, if you don't have one person signing off, then everyone's signing off. And if everyone's signing off, nobody's ever going to be happy. Uh, and that's mm -hmm. something that, that just creates horrible friction, um, not least because an agency of some sort is going to be involved, either the design and build agency or maybe a content agency like ourselves. And they're going to just you know, be hitting their heads against the wall thinking, why is this not pointing in one direction, the direction of the mm -hmm. customer? It will end up with a, a bunch of content that just, you know, points all over the place because everyone's got their own opinion. Um, that that yeah. certainly sounds like a kind of real nub of the problem. But Chris, what, what else do you think is going on in here? I think quite often the, the problem with this is that who's commenting on what when it comes to sign off, you know? Mm -hmm. So as an example, if you're sending a detailed pages for feedback, from the subject matter experts all you really want from them is comments about the subject matter yeah the things that they are the experts in not the brand voice not the style just the facts and the arguments that we're putting across but it's often the case that people can't help themselves extending their input beyond that and that's when it can start to wreak havoc with the consistency of the messaging because suddenly everyone thinks that they're a writer. Mm. And just going back to Grant's example in that law firm then, so if we had, I don't know, um, your kind of specialist in the energy sector guy who's written uh, mm -hmm. some content and uh, it's been through the mill, or rather that's been written for them, it then goes back to them for amends. The, the feedback we'd want would be, does that give the take the argument to the reader? Is that the argument you need to take? Uh, is this factually correct? That's what you want back from them, yeah? Absolutely. Not comments on whether or not we need some extra adjectives. Okay. So it's just to be clear, it's what we're what we're suggesting here is that the problem is is 
is about what they're commenting on, not the fact that they're commenting, because we need their comments. We do need their feedback. Um, Absolutely. So, right on. Um, the, the next um, next person that we're going to turn to is Shan. Uh, Shan, we've got two bits of diagnosis here. What else do you think might be going on in, uh, in Grant's firm? Um, I think for me, buy-in sounds like an issue here. Mm. Um, I think it's really hard to get everyone on a team to agree on the brand messaging. Um, and it can even be really hard to get them to agree that you even need a new website. Um, so I think don't underestimate the power of involving people because I think most objections, they tend to fade away when people feel included, feel mm. heard, and um, feel like they've been part of getting the project to the point that it gets to. Um, so I think for Grant, it's about thinking, how have you brought people into the website development process? Do they feel part of it? Do they feel excluded from it? Um, if they do feel excluded from it, how can you change your approach to make sure that they feel like they want to be on your side rather than coming up with ways to go against it? Um, it, is, it is extra effort. There's no denying that, but I think it is always worth it because if you if you leave it to chance and you're just taking this enormous risk that you get to the end of the project and you know, you've got work that is ready to go and then you're just up against this wall of objection. Absolutely. And so <clears throat> hearing what you're saying there, we're going to get to diagnosis and, and not diagnosis, uh, cure in just a second. But uh, th that to me sounds like something that you can't bolt into the, the middle of the process. It needs to be right there at the beginning. You can't kind of suddenly say, let's involve everyone in the in the buy-in, um, sort of halfway through the briefings for the, the mm -hmm. website content. It needs to come probably a fair bit earlier than that. Okay, so... Yeah, from the start, yeah. yeah. So we've got three three different points of view here in terms of what might be going wrong. The first one is, you know, Helen's point about, you know, who's in charge. Second of all, Chris, your point about, you know, keep your comments to yourself, if you like, uh, unless they really pertain to the argument that we're making or the factual accuracy. And Shan, your, your kind of feeling is that, that that could be something here around about just general buy-in, you know, that sense of being on board. Um, so um, we're going to go into the next part of our podcast, and that is to hear what the treatment might be. So this is uh, this little rattling of, uh, I don't know, it's just like this kind of sweets you would get as a kid. That, um, yeah, it makes you, you know, have some smarties. Yeah, a, little, a pack of Tic Tacs or something like that, yeah. Um, other sweets are available. Uh, so <laughs> the treatment, the treatment then, Helen. What what would you reckon for mm. your 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 diagnosis of it being about um, you know, this idea of you know who's in charge? How how do you treat mm -hmm. that? Yeah. So you need to create the role of approver. Basically, you need to have one person who's in charge of signing things off, and most importantly, everyone needs to be aware and respectful of who that person is. I think it's, you know, we see it sometimes where that, that's sort of decided and there is an approver, but it, people don't always stick to it. Um, mm. So that bit's really important. Um, and I think it can be challenging in a lot of organisations <coughs> like traditional hierarchies, um, mm. like to decide who the approver should be. Um, it can be quite a, a tricky conversation to have, but it's totally worth it, I think, for the sake of the content and just for your sanity as well. Just having something that works and that people stick to um, is pretty life-changing. That sounds about right. I don't know what the rest of the, the team think, but I also think that if you've got nobody in charge, particularly mm -hmm. of sign off, then everyone becomes a charge and it bloats the project right out. And you'll end yeah. up probably bringing quite senior people in towards the end of the project, feeling a little bit or a lot aggrieved uh, about mm -hmm. them being sucked into something that they thought was being handled elsewhere. So really totally. that, that, tougher, that tough conversation around about who signs this off? Um, yeah. it's better had at the beginning rather than 
you know, having the conversation at the end of the process when nobody's got any time, everyone's feeling a little bit um, stressed out and probably quite concerned about the, the site maybe not launching on time. Um, yeah, and it, it's all about keeping that control as well because I think if you do do that at the beginning, you know, you can do it in a positive way. It doesn't have to be like, right, who's in charge? It's mm. more like, look, if, if we work in this way, it's beneficial for everyone because everyone's going to have more time, the project's going to run more smoothly, and ultimately we're going to end up with a, a much better piece of content at the end of it. So it's beneficial for everyone. Mm, absolutely, uh, Chris. In terms of what you were you were thinking, in terms of who's talking about what, what would be your way of helping to to cure that? I mean, I think in terms of you need to have someone who's in charge, but you also need to have a general consensus about what right looks like early on. Um, otherwise, you know, you're just going to have kind of endless bickering. You know, there needs to be a line in the sand. Um, I think for the big questions, that might be starting early on uh, and setting out uh, a messaging matrix, a tone of voice guide that that everyone can input on and, and you know, early in the process, save headaches later on. Um, mm. Makes resolutions very simple when you can take your cue from a document that was agreed. Mm. Um, when it comes to sort of smaller points, whether that's, you know, just questions of capitalization or hyphenation, you, you know, you'd be surprised how effective it is to just say, you know, we're going to take our cue from here. Just mm. agree on a preferred dictionary and style guide, yeah. for example. It's a kind um, of small point, Chris, isn't it? It's it sounds like the smallest point of all, but the fact that the the agency has or the the team that are running it have considered that mm -hmm. tells the rest of the people in the business something. It tells them mm. that this is being you know considered and that the folk that are running it know what they're doing. It, yeah, you know, capitalization and you know you know style points are important but they're not going to make or break it it's almost like it's a, a little beacon isn't it to say we care you know yeah it's the attention to detail yeah absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and it avoids you getting dragged into these small debates when there are much bigger things yeah. to be organized considered. with a z or an s yeah <laughs> no. yeah. yeah yeah and i mean i think beyond that when it comes to people you know commenting on things that aren't necessarily their area of expertise sticking their red pen in where it's, it's not needed. <laughs> there, there are ways to kind of head that off. Um, mm. One thing you can do is, is use sign-off sheets, okay. which essentially just, you know, appends a, an intro to the, the document you're asking them to review, making it clear exactly what you're asking them to comment on. Sure. Um, you know, so we're looking for factual comments rather than points on tone of voice, style, brand, and I think when, when it's made 100% clear to people what's expected of them, generally they'll stick to that. It gives their task focus. It probably gives them less work to do. Mm. Um, and it just it clears everything up a little bit, especially for you know uh, parts of the business that maybe aren't familiar with the content process. The uncertainty of what's expected of them can often be the root of many issues. Mm. I think there's a bit in that, though, as well, about making sure that you do show them that you value the expertise that they are able to bring to it that's how you're going to get their buy-in there isn't it because mm -hmm. you let them know that in this particular part of this we need your expertise and then i think because they feel heard in that way they are less likely to stray over into other things where they they maybe want to get involved and um, because they have been given a specific task to focus on yes yeah mm -hmm. I, I think that's really really important and that also we think about it, it, it kind of goes back to the whole thought of uh, messaging 
and you know what what the key messages what's the matrix that we're kind of referring back to in terms of the points we're trying to land so there'll always be a kind of in a in a, in a kind of good big sort of build project that that'll have been agreed up front but then we get into the nuance of you know, whether it's, I don't know, again, back to the law firm, it's perhaps things like dispute resolution or something like that, or HR law. Uh, when you get into the nuance of that, you're stuff. gonna, yeah, it's like, how does that nuance fit into the the kind of the, the overarching messaging? And it's, it's to make sure that the folk that know that nuance inside out are given their due and feed into that. And sometimes it's a bit, you know, sometimes you do need to tweak the messaging matrix based on what you learn as you go. Probably not very much, but um, again, that that's interesting if you're getting that feedback and they're involved and they're they're feeding back on the right types of things. You know, that that's mm. that's I guess what it's about. But Shan, we were talking, you you said that that would help with buy-in, you know, to an extent. But in terms of the other things that would help um cure the buy-in problem, what what else do you reckon that Grant could do? Um, I think planning, so you mentioned earlier about, you know, it can't just be bolted on to the end. You do have to plan this in. So, you know, like you were saying with the messaging matrix, maybe their input would tweak a messaging matrix, um, but you need their feedback kind of early on in that before you can't just present a matrix in front of them and say, this is done. You know, what do you think? You have to sort of consult them early on. And I think there's lots of different ways of doing that and how much of their input you would need early on would vary by project. Um, it, it does, you just need to be really open with people and tell them that you need their expertise and just be really clear in what way you need it. And it does take a lot of time, um, you know, because there can be a lot of stakeholders involved in projects and it does take a bit of time to to sort of bring them all in. And I can imagine people kind of thinking like, oh, you know, time, I, I don't have time. I've just got to get this project done. I need to get it out. Mm. Um, but you get the time back because when the work's done and everybody's already on board, they want to sign it off at that point. You know, they've been involved. They're on your side. So it gets nodded through with hardly any changes at all. Mm. Um, so, you know, the time spent at the beginning, you get back later on. Absolutely. Um, and then in organizations where, you know, they're maybe not so brand led, you've got two options. So um, get everyone involved in shaping the initial messaging um, or at least get all the key people into a session and just hear what they've got to say. And, you know, we, we've seen this. We have so much experience of seeing this work that we've built an entire arm of our business around doing that at the start of these kind of projects because it really matters and really makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. If you can't do that, you can put in the time and effort to just brief everyone on the messaging and get that the messaging part of things embedded within the organization before you get people involved in um, briefing individual pages. Um, it can work usually in larger kind of brand-led organizations, but but that way can work too. Mm. So again, I'm curious if it's, if it's probably a smaller organization that isn't massively brand-led, get folks involved in, in defining the messaging and then they can kind of seed that out or we could or the agency can help seed that out into the folk that that need to know that are they going to be the subject matter experts but if it's a bigger organization there's probably kind of quite a formal process there of this is the new brand you know welcome and that needs to be managed so yeah you know, so that exactly. people get it yeah absolutely so that's us finished up with our diagnosis i'm now going to uh, just uh, ask uh, if i mean my chris if you just uh, step up to the uh, harp chris if you wouldn't mind and just, oh, perfect. Absolutely. Beautiful. Uh, uh, haunting um so essentially we've got a really good i think suite of things that, that grant could be doing to apply to this project um Helen, 
Sonny, with you thinking again about, you know, this idea of, you know, who's in charge here, how, how would Grant sort of embed this and make sure that the organisation stays healthy when it comes to this kind of project? So when it comes to, to choosing an approver, you need to get content responsibility written into job descriptions. So it's firmly built into roles um, mm. from the start. And it can help to, to write a process for content sign-off as well and share that around everyone. So everyone okay. is clear on who does what. So like from the intern right up to the CEO, um, it needs to be sort of clear and then everyone can stay on the same page. So basically baking, no pun intended. Yeah. baking it in. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what, mm -hmm. you, what would you reckon in terms of keeping Grant's team healthy? Uh, absolutely. It's a case of baking it in. You know, process is, is the key that, that makes these things go smoothly. Um, I think weighing that foundation to avoid the same problems in future. Mm. So pulling together a suite of tools um, that you can use time and again, you know, sign off sheets, decide on that sort of style guide, dictionary combo you want to use, build a set of briefing forms that set out exactly what's expected for different areas of the business, mm -hmm. sign off checklists, you know, build these documents um, so you don't need to create them fresh every time you've got a new project. Um, a bit of work involved up front. But in the long run, it's, it's really going to pay off. Yeah, it's kind of like any process, isn't mm -hmm. it? It feels it feels like a bit of a slog. Um, you don't need to do it all at once, uh, I suppose. But the idea of you know once it's done, that's it set. And the other thing mm -hmm. about processes, we always go on about this with clients, is you know once you've got a process, you can make the process better. And uh, mm -hmm. if you have an open process, and you maybe use tools like uh, you know the simple level like Dropbox or some sort of sharing folder on SharePoint, or maybe something like Google Drive, or if you want to take it a step further, tools like Tetra, you know, kind of group-wide uh, wiki that you can use to to capture processes and bed them into other tools like Slack. The idea of there being a kind of a place where all this lives that everyone can see, and I mm -hmm. think in the better organisations now, they're saying to their team. If this doesn't feel good and it feels a little bit broken in some way, it's it's up to you to go off and fix it, please. Don't don't just stare at a process and run it blindly. Go and fix it. And that, that's a great thing to do once you've got it bedded in. Um, go off and improve it as you as you learn stuff. It's uh, you can't do that unless you define it, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. So Sean, um last of all, buy in. How do you how do you kind of how do you glue that into the organizational being? Um, I think you just keep working at it. So, um, yeah, don't assume that, that buy-in is a box to tick. Once you've got it, you've got it. You just keep, um, you know, keep it rolling mm -hmm. and learn from when you do a project, go back and, and look at the buy-in and how you got it or how you didn't um, and what you can do differently next time. Yeah, sure. No, I think I think those those kind of stay healthy tips are great. And, and for me, it probably it probably does come back to the buy-in as being the kind of the linchpin for everything. If you get that right and the senior team are all happy and pointing in one direction and, you know, know what the team needs to do, then everything can flow from that, whether it's, you know, new processes or, you know, um, I don't know, job descriptions and things like that. So, yeah, I think, uh, Grant, hopefully that's uh, that's helped you there. there. Um, that is it for this week. So uh, I'm just going to say my last piece, which is thank you for listening. And we'll be back soon uh, using stronger language to cure another listener's brand agony. For more on brand language, messaging, content, and tone of voice, visit blackhat.co.uk. Thank you.